This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? We're talking about Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37, and a little bit of chapter 5. A little bit. I'm also a little bit disheartened, because this is take two. We just we literally just recorded this podcast, and then my dumb self not thinking we were having a technical technical difficulty, and I just erased all the content. So apologies, but I'm probably going to fly through this episode. <laughs> Good thing is we've already been through it. We know what we want to talk about. <laughs> that is true. So for time's sake, I'm going to skip over verses 32 through 35 because I talked about those in my story this morning. Which for or, you guys was yesterday. Which Yeah, was yesterday. So if you haven't watched that, Go over to our YouTube channel, and it's on there. It's titled The Battle of Economies because it's the idea that the world operates according to two economies, a tangible one that is ruled by empire and a divine one that's ruled and controlled by God. Um, and so go back and listen to that one. But this is the idea of the common purse, that those who have excess are selling away their possessions in order to give to those who have less. And so verse 35 is the dispensation of those funds. The text says, they laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. And there was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So verse 36 and 7 end up just being a character where someone within the community is living this out. They have a piece of land, they sell it, they bring it to the apostles and lay it at their feet so that it can be given to any as any have need. Like, there's absolutely a socialistic element to the way that they're living. And that shouldn't scare you hearing that think word. So. Because that's just literally what the text is talking about. It's just what it says. Now, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't note Paul in the Thessalonian correspondence saying, if you don't work, you don't eat. Right. Um, like, absolutely, nobody's expecting anyone to just take advantage of the system. But in the same way, I think that the, the first Christians thought that the best way to live out their faith was in this kind of socialistic, euphoric society that they were trying to create. And we kind of see this play out in where we're headed next, but it's it's really just about a misuse of power. Correct. Um, and a, a misuse of money. Correct. That Yeah. That's really all it is. Here we go. Here's the story about it. Chapter 5. Yeah, go ahead. Chapter 5, verse 1. But a man named Ananias, with the consent of his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. With his wife's knowledge, he kept back some of the proceeds and brought only a part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, were not the proceeds at your disposal? How is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? 
You did not lie to us, but to God. Now when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard of it. The young men came and wrapped up his body, then carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter said to her, Tell me whether you and your husband sold the land for such and such a price. Uh, sorry. And she said, yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you've agreed together to put the spirit of the Lord to the test? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and died. When the young men came in, they found her dead. So they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard of these things. Clayton, we've done this once before, but any <laughs> thoughts on that text? Yeah, it's just initial impressions are that it's very vague. We, we get this story of this dude and his wife. They sell a piece of property and give some of the money to the apostles. But apparently that sum was not right for some reason. Correct. And whatever that reason was, we're not told. But also for correct. some reason, that sum was not right, and it was deemed worthy that they die. Correct. Um, it's a very strange story. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's extremely vague. Um, but you're about to tell us why that is. <laughs> or, well... Kind of, -ish. yeah. I don't I mean. I don't know. I. Uh, it doesn't. In full honesty, I don't have a great answer for this story. That's why I didn't preach it. Like, be, because it feels so out of place. I actually don't think it feels out of place at all. Narratively, it fits with what Luke's trying to do. Yes, but it also doesn't fit with the. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't fit with the new side of what we see God is on this side of Jesus. Like, this story feels very contrary to Jesus. Jesus interacted with lots of powerful people and people who had lots of influence and lots of money. None of them died. Or at least by his own hand. So it, is it, it true. feels very out of place coming uh, out of Jesus straight into this. I hear what you're saying. I would say, depending on how you read this story, I actually think the similar, similar things are at play from when Jesus turns the tables, braids the whip and turns the tables in the temple. Mm-hmm. To what's happening here. The, the, the things of oppression and... The difference is death. Right. Death and the fact that they're killed. And as the story's told... They just dropped By dead. God. Yeah, yeah like nobody... Yeah. And Peter, in his comments, seems to put it in some kind of like cosmic evil context. Like Satan has corrupted them or mm. something. Um, 
And the story also goes that Peter just somehow knew. Right. I don't know if that's like divine intention that he knew or if he'd like heard through the rumor mill. But even when Luke is talking about it and he's recounting the conversation between Peter and Sapphira, he says, did you sell the land for such and such a price? Mm-hmm. It's like super vague. We yeah. like no detail. The, the price. We, we know, we know how much Judas sold, you know, Jesus for and the 30 pieces of silver that bought the, the land that's called the field of blood. Yeah. Um, it's not uncommon to get details like that for how much land was purchased for. Um, so it, the whole thing feels a little vague. It feels... Well, and he says that he lied. So Peter says that Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. In what way did he lie to the Holy Spirit? Was this like a, a covenant that he made with God? Or some sort of promise like, I'm going to sell this piece of property and all of this money is going to the new church and just doesn't actually end up giving all of it. Like, I don't know. Um, it's just, it's very vague and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But what you can see is that there was a misuse of power at play here. Uh, yeah. Depending on how you define power, if you define power synonymous with money, which I think as far as literary motifs, in the Gospel of Acts and throughout the New Testament, I think you can do that. I yeah. don't think they always are. Right. And I think there are a lot of wealthy people that are not powerful at all. I, I think in this narrative, you you could do that. Correct. Um, Especially based on chapter four, <clears throat> excuse me, where people of excess are giving up their excess. Right. So that's the deal. You've already been told that there's a pattern. Mm -hmm. You've already been told that this is what people are doing. And you've got all-inclusive language here. Right. Right? But then you're told this story of a way in which this is playing out. Now, I don't think that Barnabas... And Ananias and Sapphira are the only people that are selling property. Right. Yet, they're the two that Luke chooses to talk about in specificity. I don't think that should be missed. That these are the two that Luke draws out to tell their actual personal stories. And I say that because it's unique that... Verse 36 and 37 say what they say. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, uniquely, for a story in which we're about to not get very much detail at all, Mm. we get a ton of detail about this man named Joseph, who the apostles call Barnabas. Yeah. Um, We don't even get told Ananias and Sapphira's, like, where they're from. Mm -mm. We don't even get told who Ananias' father is. We don't get told any kind of identifiable information about them in the story. Yeah. We get told 
there's a Levite who's named Joseph. It's from Cyprus. Who they renamed Barnabas. And what that means, son of encouragement, which means that must be a part of his character. Yeah. And that guy sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So he did exactly what he's supposed to do. Here's the thing that's interesting about it, and here's why I bring up the difference between all of the detail in 36 and 37 and the lack of detail in 5, 1 through 11. If you are a good reader of your Bible, you will know that Levites, when the land of Canaan is divvied up, side note here, it's actually divvied up before they've conquered it all, which is weird and Different conversation. Yeah. When it's all divvied up, the Levites are not given a region of land. Um, Because they're supposed to be the priestly tribe there to man the temple. They're not given. The expectation is that the rest of the tribes will take care of them. So they don't receive land inheritances. Mm -hmm. So the fact that Joseph, who they now name Barnabas, owns land means that he's acquired it in some way outside of what's been given to him according to Jewish custom. Um, In an ancient world, in that economy, it's really hard to progress out of wherever you already exist in a social system. Um, And so most of the time, in order to progress, you must oppress Um, and so somehow this Levite named Joseph has figured out a way to use power, privilege, oppression, wealth, something in order to accrue, in order to gain, to garner all of those things. And he sees the error of his ways. And gives, sells this land and gives to these people. But then you have these people, and I will tell you, verse 37, he sold a field that belonged to him. Verse 5, 1, they sold a piece of property. Um. The sense that I get in reading these, and I don't think it's that hard to infer, like I don't think I'm like eisegeting or reading into the text. I think Joseph or Barnabas only had the one piece of land mm-hmm. and he sold it and gave it all. Yeah. Um, as far as excess, I think he probably had like a primary residence or something, but as far as something that he had excess of, I think this was it. Mm. He sold it all and gave it all. You have these people who seem to have other pieces of excess. And yet they still withheld. They still kept proceeds back. (sighs) Honestly, I don't have a great answer for this text. Um, I think any time that God or divinity seems to be the initiator of death as some form of judgment or punishment um, is quite problematic because death 
according to Genesis 2 and 3, is the antagonist of our story. They're the thing that we are fighting against. And so I find it quite troubling. In full, honestly, I'm not going to pretend that I don't. Um, My best guess at what's happening here, based on the lack of details in the Ananias and Sapphira story, the plethora of details in 36 and 37 about Joseph, whom the apostles named Barnabas, um, is that it's a conversation about justice and excess. That what Luke is trying to communicate is that the needs of the many matter. Mm-hmm. Um, the needs of the needy matter. And if you are a person of excess and you are somehow refusing to give, excuse me, of your excess, you are con- you are complicit in the problem of injustice. Yeah. Um, that somehow you're not you're not on the offensive fighting for justice for those that um, receive unjust treatment um, and so for whatever reason I guess the injustice of the whole thing merits death i don't i don't know it it's very problematic i do not like this story and the way it resolves itself because like i i know people i'm sure at wellhouse church they don't tithe at all yeah i mean do i think they deserve to die no absolutely not absolutely not and i think you know depending on how we view it I think we all have exposable, like disposable income. Like, I think we all have things that we have and live and appreciate that are on and above that are excess. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like, I would put myself in that category, right? I I have a truck that I have a note on. Um, I could easily go sell that vehicle and pay cash for a car and give all that money that I'm paying on my truck note to the poor, like, but that's not how I live, right? I mean, I give my fair share of benevolence, but that this is just not how I, but I also don't think I deserve to die right? because I've chosen that life. No, I think what's happening is I think we're seeing a setup, um, literary devices happening, where power and wealth are going hand in hand, uh, as literary motifs of empire and that we're fighting against empire. Um, and so the fact that they would hold back these proceeds is just confirming that they're living according to the old economy. They're not living according to the divine economy that says, hey, the human being is what matters. The human being bears the image of God. That coin bears the image of empire. You, the people, you bear the image of God. You're the economy we should care about. Ananias and Sapphira, the fact that you are still holding back some of those proceeds tells me, as a literary reader, you've not adopted the new economy. You're Mm -hmm. still living according to old structures, which means 
there's potential that you're going to become an oppressor. Um, for whatever reason, there just wasn't room for that. Um, now, I'm also not going to pretend that I'm just okay with the death element. Yeah. I'm not. Like, we're not even going to pretend that we're just supposed to be okay with that. However, the truth that we are going to glean from this text um, is that the human being will always be more important than the image of empire.